Good morning. This is Grace Alvis, and welcome to Tales of Recovery, a podcast where I'm constantly healing and you know bringing in guests to continue their healing journey and their transformation of recovery from whatever. Because it's not just the podcast and recovering from alcohol or drug addiction or food addiction or depression or some form of disease. But yes, we do talk about that here because guess what? That's life. We're all recovering from something. The main point here is what do we recover? Like, what do we get back? Like, you recover something from this journey of doing the work. It's hard work. It is. But then you recover something that's just like a passion for you, for life, something that brings you... um, uh, I don't know, satisfaction or an awareness. And so I'm really talking today about the awakening process and awakening of the social conditioning that hinders love. And I've been going through a lot of really, really intense emotions right now, a lot of grief, a lot of, you know, my mom has been really sick and she had a stroke. And so we're, you know, just processing, watching her struggle and not be able to just hop in the car and here, let's go everybody because she can't walk or drive. And and so we have to help her with everything. And it's a wonderful opportunity. It's been about a year and two, I don't know, a year and a half now. And we'll have the Mother's Day podcast. She's going to hop on here. So that'll be lots of fun because my mom is actually very funny. She's a cool lady. And what I was noticing yesterday at her house uh, is just I had this anxiety if I really wanted to leave. And we were just chilling. You know, my daughter was laying there on the sofa with her outside. My dad's taking a nap and we're chilling. And the whole time I'm just thinking, oh, gosh, I should be doing something else. I mean, not the first hour, but we were there for three hours. And I had the preoccupation of I need to go home and and be with my son because he's in the Fortnite black hole, and we have to go outside because it's San Diego, and there's the beach, and I should be working on another project, and just this sense of, I just don't want to be here anymore, and and I thought, okay, finally, it's been three hours, all right, we got to go, we helped my mom come back inside, we had a really hard time, but finally, she's inside, we leave, and when we come home, I have to practice, right, I'm like, okay, let's go just do the just go do your movement. I, I have a, a sequence of certain trauma-informed yoga that I do and I'm, my breath work. And this is just what I do to keep myself, to get integrated again and to notice and feel. Because I knew, okay, what's happening here? Why do I want to leave? Uh, let's investigate. And that's what I've been doing lately is I investigate. <laughs> With very loving curiosity, why am I feeling this? What's going on? And so I started to do this practice, and then I just started to feel a sense of grief just coming up in my body, and just a feeling like I'm going to cry, I'm going to cry, I'm going to cry. And then it's just it just hit me like it's hard to be at my parents' house. Not because my mom is sick. That's okay. I mean, we were laughing with her. We were just trying to, you know, hang out. But it's really like, why did I want to leave there? And I just started thinking about how... I was uncomfortable. I was really having fun with my mom and my daughter, but then my dad was there, and it was like, ugh, you know, he's going to give us a hard time because we're going to smoke some weed or whatever, or he's going to laugh at me for this or that, or he's going to... And I just started thinking, and this is all in my mindfulness, you know, awareness of my thoughts. You know, it's just, this is where 
I'm going to be recovering here and I'm just venting. If you relate, if this is helpful, great. If not, turn it off and go to the next podcast. But I really got a sense of of awareness of what hinders love. What gets in the way of free love is that I felt like I had to be acting. And maybe this is ha- doesn't happen all the time. Maybe it's just because it's so hard because I love my parents so fucking much. And there they are, and they're both really old. And, you know, it's okay to just sit and not do anything in the backyard. But I had this anxiety to leave, and it's grief, clearly. It's freaking grief. I understand that. But it's also, I feel, the social conditioning of what I learned growing up is that you have to behave in a specific way um, in order for have to, to have their approval. You know, and it's this learning of... If you don't do these certain things, then you're not going to be approved of. And it could just be respect. You know, I don't want to, I don't know, give my mom medicine in front of my dad because he's super old school and he thinks that, you know, cannabis is evil, which is not so much better than, oh, my God. I mean, it just it's very relaxing and it helps you not have any pain and it allows you to eat when you don't want to eat anymore. And I mean, I don't have a list here of all the benefits of it, but the point of this story is that there's a certain freeze and a certain obstacle of freedom to just love myself and others because of this social conditioning, right? Because um, you learn, I learned, that you have to do certain things in order to be uh, approved of. And it's not that there isn't an underlying love there, but we have like these conditionings of you have to have, you know, you have to do what I want. You have to have a certain look. You have to have certain great grades. You have to have certain success in life and hang out with the right people. And otherwise, well, you're kind of a loser and we don't really approve of you. And honestly, who came up with those standards? Because, you know, when I when you learn this, it's just, when you, when you figure out, wow, I've been living in a lie all this time. Um, and we go in and out, in and out of this lie. Clearly, I've had moments of, a, you know, I don't give a shit. I completely love my life. I've done whatever I wanted, and I've had an amazing journey. Um, but during this moment, yesterday, Sunday, with my parents, I was it was really hard, and I was tripping about that. Like how, like I remember doing theater. I wanted to do theater and musical theater, super duper young, and I, we got this amazing show, and... We won this, um, I don't even know what it was, but it was some contest where our play was really fun and we were able to, to travel all the way to La Paz and then to Monterrey. And I remember we got paid and I showed my dad this check, like, hey, look, I'm actually getting paid for doing theater and singing. Isn't it great? He just looked at the check and I'm pretty sure it was not a large amount. But he looked at it and he was just, he didn't say anything, but it was just like, like, what are you going to pay with this? You know, a soda? He didn't say a soda, but that's that was the look that he gave me. And it was just, like, so disappointing. I don't care. I still went on the tour. I still did the theater. I still kept doing my thing. I still kept doing the music. And I remember, you know, even being signed by the BMG Latino and having, like, this album and playing the album to my dad. And he was like, that's you? Yes, motherfucker, that's me. Remember you saying that this was not a good idea and here we are now doing this music and we're signed and here's an album. Like I worked so hard for this and it's totally doable. Whatever you set your mind to, just kick ass and get to it. 
And I wasn't expecting claps and approval, but he was just, he didn't say anything. But what I'm trying to the get, the point that I'm trying to get to is it's so overpowering this conditioning of you have to, you have to perform for your parents. And we were doing advanced directives, which was probably why it was so hard on Sunday, because Saturday we went through the whole advanced directive for my mom and for my dad, and what are their five wishes, and how do they want to be taken care of when they're just can't talk anymore, or can't move anymore, and and you know, do you want to be stuck to a machine or not stuck to a machine? Do you want the do not resuscitate thing, and what do you want for your funeral? I mean, it was intense, but I was trying to make light of it and laugh, and what songs are we going to write here? And and we'll talk about that next <laughs> podcast with my mom because she's really funny. Um, she has a good take on that now. But we, the, um, one of the questions was, what would you like to have read during your funeral? And my mom was saying, well, I would like this poem or that poem. And my dad's looking at, you know. And then one of the questions was, what scriptures would you like? <laughs> my mom's like, I don't care. I guess the priest can pick. And I was like, mom, why are you allowing some priest to pick a, some type of reading? Like, you don't go to mass. You don't believe in that BS. What are you going to do? Oh, now some priests can pick a... No, we're going to pick what you want us to read in your funeral. And if you want to have a mass or any of that, well, then my sister or brother can deal with that because I don't want to deal with that. Because that's not what you want. That's what you think is necessary because we don't know anything else because that's called social conditioning. So anyway, my dad, who does go to mass every Sunday, okay, fine, you want a reading? Fine, that's your thing. That's your spiritual practice, right? So he's looking at some of these scriptures and he's going and he's just picking up the phone saying different things and different poems and different sayings. And he picks one up that says, oh, look at this. This is amazing. When you have a child, allow the child to live their own life. They're not coming here to live yours. Ooh, I was like, that's a good one. You should have thought about that before you had me. And, you know, my husband's looking at me. What? My dad is hard of hearing, so he's like, what? What did you say? Nothing, nothing, nothing. No, tell me. Tell me what you said. And Julio, my husband, told him, well, you don't really want to know what she said. And, of course, this is all in good fun. It's not like I'm sitting here super fucking bitter. I'm making a point of, yes, I had a lot of freedom growing up, but also a lot of pressure to, well, you know, my dad's 84, and we're Mexican, and he's Catholic, and the whole thing is like, well, you have to get married or, or do a career and do good for his societal standards, which are clearly not singing in a band with pink hair, having fun in life, and doing, you know, what makes your heart beam, because, God forbid, that's for cabaret people. And so, anyway, the point is that all of this social conditioning shit falls in between, it's like this huge concrete wall. And I'm so grateful for an awareness of, oh, okay, this is what was happening. But I love my parents so fucking much and it's so hard. So it's, it was a mixture of the grief of how difficult this is and also an awareness of, oh, there's all this social conditioning. And, you know, so I come home and I'm doing this practice and I just start to realize, yes, yes, yes. How did I get out of this? You know, because you have, I started with, with like just sitting in silence and observing this and been practicing, practicing going to therapy, practicing observing my emotions, op practicing feeling and unlearning all of this, these social conditioning things that hinder me. There might be some good ones, you know, like be polite and don't chew with your mouth, don't chew your food with your mouth open in front of people and, you know, 
allow, you know, respect for your elders and for others, for everyone, actually. I mean, there's some lovely things, but not performing for love, that's not a good one. So deconstructing all of these things, because because of this conditioning for love, and you don't really get the love because it's all conditioned, we fall trapped for relig- we fall into the trap of religion or any kind of different cult or a gang because you're so not accepted for who you are at your house because your parents have their own issues and they're all like messed up in their head thinking that it has to be a specific way or they don't even accept themselves because they had it coming from their parents and their grandparents and their grandparents. And there's so much you know, confusion and turmoil that you, you show up at a church and you're like, oh yes, this is where I really get loved. The Lord's gonna love me, now I'm good. And then it just turns out, no, it's just a different set of fucked up parents. And, you know, after you grow and as you grow, you realize, okay, no, this was not it. And I never really got it. Like, I never, people would say, oh, I love God so much. Well, I just never understood, like, how can you love God? Like, who's there to love? I mean, I love my babies. I love my puppy. I love my husband. I love, you know, enchiladas. But, like, God, I mean, I'm super grateful. I feel gratitude. It's just like sometimes I felt like this excitement of awareness, but I just never understood what that meant. And so, you know, I walk out of my yoga and then I go sit outside with my daughter because now we're home and now I'm a little bit more calm, integrated again after doing my practice, after all this grief, um, awareness. And we start talking about, man, that was so hard for me to go in there and sit with them. And my daughter's like, who cares? You're just sitting, you're just chilling with Abu. Like, you know, don't worry about it. I'm just you know, you don't have to say anything. And she has a different perspective because she's not as, you know, she's more separate from this. And we're trying to deconstruct and grow in more awareness and in freedom of love, I think, as the generations awake, awaken and we keep going. Um, and just try to try to have different lives. But she told me, Mom, you know, I was super afraid of everything and you freaked me out about a lot of things. But now I feel like, um, I can see how you would think certain things because of my grandmother. That's what we call my mom, Abu. Abu, like abuela. But you now have like this different take on trans intergenerational trauma. And so I'm talking to my daughter like, yeah, you know, I'm so sorry. You're right. I did. You know, I did have a lot of fear um, when you were born. And so that's why we put you in this little Christian school. Like in this Christian school, I will not have to be afraid because you will not do anything bad and you will stay pure and safe and nothing bad will happen to you. So it's different than what my parents did, but I kind of dished it out now in a different manner. And she was just laughing. Like, you know, it's so funny. Um, and I, I wrote this down because she's, I love my daughter. She's so freaking cool. Um, I told her, yeah, I'm so sorry because that's just what I thought was the right thing to do. This was the right thing to do. This was just safe to to be in this religion environment where you weren't going to be affected. And Paul was like, Mom, I got to high school and I was like, oh my gosh, I have, like, I'm so behind in what's happening here. And people, you know, an exposure to different things and and like conversations and ideas and of course, you know, drugs and parties and everything. Uh, the reality, the reality of life. And, you know, we were talking about how it's just this belief system that we had about... <laughs> I 
I mean, I can laugh now, and you know, hopefully, if you're super religious, you're not offended. But we do need to think about these things that we believe. Because I told my daughter, "Can you believe when we were in there, we were thinking that we were going to go to hell?" And and my daughter says, "Yeah, when you realize the lies that you've been learning and like this mythological history stuff, and then you were kind of figured out, you're like, dude, that was so fucking stupid." <laughs> and this is the kinship that I have with my daughter. This is the kinship, and I try to just make it real and not have this separation of I am the adult, you are the child, I am going to tell you everything about life. You're, she's my greatest teacher, and so is my son. And I don't want to have the separation that I have with my dad and with my mom. My, my mom is way different now because she's had the stroke, and she's completely, like all her awareness and holding back is like gone. So it's a, what, it's what an opportunity for a different relationship with her. But typically with adults, you just kind of have to watch yourself because they're the adults. And with my kids, I don't have that. And I told her, I go, you know, Paula, you're, I just, I really like the way you've turned out. Like, I think you're super fun, super cool and very, very woke. I just like, I just like you, you know, I just like you. And I don't have the need to say like, oh, you're so smart and successful and polite and rich and famous. Like, those are all good things, but that's that shouldn't be why you like someone or why you love them. Um, and so I just thought, you know, maybe that's what happened in my family. Maybe that's what happened in certain families. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I found this really interesting picture um, about what family is and what family is not. And I just thought, oh, this is amazing. Because family does not mean keeping secrets, walking on eggshells, which is a little bit of what I was doing yesterday, lying about who I am to keep the peace, which is pretty much from age 16 to 32 I had to do because nobody knew I was in a band. I mean, my parents knew, but like not the aunts and uncles and blah, blah, blah. Pretending others are healthy when they are not. Family does not mean that. Family does not mean tiptoeing around the truth. Family does not mean attending holidays that derail my healing process, defending poor choices, engaging in toxic behavior, remaining loyal to old patterns that no longer align with my growth. Boom, boom, boom. That's the best one, I think. Family does not mean assuming caretaking responsibilities that are not mine to carry. And this is intense because this is what we were told family was growing up. I think a lot of us are still kind of told that. That's why we have, you know, oh, the mother wound and the father wound and the grandmother wound and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's, um, it's, in, it's very important to notice this, to wake the fuck up and just realize, okay, how does this play out in living? How does this play out in life? Thinking that we have to pretend and behave a specific way to get someone's love or approval. And all that comes from social conditioning. And I understand now, it's not, oh, my parents did this to me. No, no, no. It's a learned behavior that they have from their parents and their parents and their parents, which is why all of this ancestor work and having tea with the grandmothers and you know all of these um, rituals and ceremonies of allowing our ancestors to come or I don't know, you know, it's not like another belief system. It's just, it's healing work. It's understanding that if I think that this affected me, imagine how it affected my mom or her mom or her mom. And dishing this conditional love 
without awareness is the worst thing ever. Because, you know, I learned this and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, I've done all of this work. I mean, I've been doing work for years. I'm still a hot mess, but, you know, you do work of sitting, sitting, sitting with it. And then you read and then you go to a somatic experience and counseling and therapy. You retreat and you read more and you sit more and you meditate. And then you have this amazing community, community, community of different great friends and teachers and you know then out of that you bring out your own medicine and you start sharing with the world hey let's feel our emotions let's you know let's use our medicine of singing let's create this freedom so it's like this amazing new life and you learn this but then you go back home and the family's still they're still doing their thing they haven't done all this work so they're completely unaware there's no consciousness of what you've discovered over here and they're looking at you like, what's wrong with you? I want you to sit down and do what I say right now. And, you know, the inner child of you has this struggle of, wait a minute, I've done all this work. I, I've, I've realized that I don't need to do this. I don't want to go here. But here's, you know, a very dear loved person telling me or you know, or, or not aware that they're doing something wrong, which is when boundaries have to step in. And this is a great work of, you know, social conditioning hinders love. Boundaries begin to heal. Boundaries are the step of, you know, they have to come in because otherwise there's no separation between all the work and everything you've learned and then you step into this cave of ancient social conditioning and it can be hard. So people don't like boundaries. <laughs> I mean, you say no to certain people or you're like, thank you, I will ask you if I need your help. If people don't want your help, um, they're going to say, no, thank you. I'm good. And uh, most of the, you know, the feedback will be, well, you just are too intense. You just feel too much. You should just chill out and um, do what I say anyways. No, no thank you. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want because, and I'm trying to do this in a very loving way, and I don't really say that in front of family members' faces. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. But, you know, in, initially that's the feeling because you're fighting back for this non-boundary life Little by little, as you burn, as you sit, and you just allow yourself to feel and grieve that you are aware that this has been conditioning, then you can be like, no, thank you, and be chill, you know, um, or not be chill, whatever. It, it's always changing. I mean, that's another thing my daughter says, like, mom, it's just everything's always changing. Like, it's cool, you know, everything is always moving, and there's never like an end or an answer. You're constantly in this journey of self-awareness and learning. But I do think it's a birthright to have your own thoughts and to have your own um, journey of choice of, okay, I get to love myself because I am this divine, amazing human being, whether or not mom or dad or uncle or aunt or society approves. Um, and that's hard, you know, it's super painful to love because you're being held back by these expectations that hinder your confidence that's why people do, oh, let's do all these affirmations. I'm great. I'm amazing. And yeah, the affirmations work for sure. 
you know, but there's an, an inner journey of death that you have to go through. Like, you know, they call it shadow work or going into the darkness and just allowing to see all this shit that's going to come out that's been in there because you've been walking unaware of this, just numbing and medicating, you know, numbing and running, numbing and running. Let's just eat, eat or do drugs or run and run and run or be super religious and pretend that God's going to take care of everything without, without me having to do any type of internal, psychological, deeply healing work. Um, you know, there's just, there's, I, he- I heard this morning, the work is so internal and yet we try to be, we try to be, we're, we're controlled by others and then we're trying to control others. And it's like looking in the mirror and you have mud on your face. And you're trying to wipe the mud off of the mirror um, instead of realizing that the mud is on your face. We have to do the work, and then we get to realize, okay, fuck this social conditioning. Let's see what really is like. I mean, we're like animals. Not like animals. We are animals, yes. We have a different consciousness and awareness, and there's evolution. But uh, remembering that we, ha- we get to feel and embody these emotions as you know, the, this, like a flower of the earth, a, a, like a plant of the earth. Hi. My son is here. Um, it's just the way, for me, it's been a very eye-opening experience because we tend to be super separated from that. And little by little, as I, you know, as we grow, it's like, stop hiding. Stop hiding and own it. Own this life. Own this love. Own this embodiment and notice it, you know, and it's just part of the whole mindfulness training is when you notice that you're, there's an aliveness inside of your hands, there's an aliveness inside of your heart, there's breath that comes in and out, and it's just, you just become awed by life. It's like, that's all we need. We need the four elements, water, fire, earth, and my breath. <laughs> love, life, be here now. And that life is a gift, and love is the point, has been carrying me these past three, four years of exiting this horrible religious cult bullshit and now walking into this grief of my mom's illness and also just realizing that all of this work in my life and all of these experiences have brought me so much richness. And this is just what life is for me, you know. And I have constantly been fighting against social conditioning. Fighting against the machine has been my deal since I've been 12 years old. Or probably, I actually think since I was seven, when I went up and had first communion without having done my first communion because I just thought, what the hell? There's, let's just do it. Why are we waiting for some first communion? And so there's, there's this drive inside of me that just thrives from fighting this bullshit, which I now realize it's great. I was meant to do this. And, you know, there's there's been a lot of hindering because, man, the programming goes deep. So I just invite all of us to just investigate this conditioning um, and find better ways of being kind to ourselves, of compassionate beings, just honoring this beauty of life and looking at our children as teachers, not as little emotional pets that come to fill in this hindering love hole that we got from our ancestors, you know, honor, respect them, try to guide them, apologize a lot when the trauma kicks in, and um, yeah, you know, investigate. So that's today's Tales of Recovery healing session for me. Hopefully it was helpful.
for you guys. And we'll be back next week with my mama for Mother's Day and the gift or the not gift of having a stroke. And that should be a fun, that should be a fun episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. This is Gris Alves. Thanks for hopping on to Tales of Recovery.